1: Aaron Pritchett.
2: Well, hello again, everyone. <laughs> you stole my microphone. What <laughs> just happened? I'm talking and my microphone magically went away. <laughs> it started going toward you. That's Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com, I'm Darren Fritchett. We appreciate you joining us on Budweiser's weekday Sports Beat on this Thursday, September the 28th of 2023, eight minutes after five o'clock. Sports Beat on the air until seven o'clock tonight. Then at seven o'clock, we've got a little Caveman Corner coming your way. Here on WSBT Radio. There'll be interviews. There'll be conversations. So 45 minutes of Mishawaka High School Athletics during Caveman Corner. And then from there, we go to the National Football League. 745. We join Westwood One for Thursday Night Football. It is a clash of NFC North Titans as the Detroit Lions go to Lambeau Field to take on the Green Bay Packers. All tonight right here on WSBT Radio. And while you're listening to all this, folks, let's make this really easy. Get out your laptop, your iPad, your phone, and go to InsideIndieSports.com Because Eric and crew have you covered on Notre Dame athletics and I'll let you in on a little secret because if you were not with us last night, first off, shame on you. But second of all, I'll give you a second chance because Eric has a little deal for our WSBT radio audience that he'd like to pass along to you. Right.
3: Thank you. For the next month, you can get all of our coverage, the premium and the free stuff, at InsideNDSports.com. You can get it all for free uh, if you follow my directions. And I will hope <laughs> not to mess this up. So go to InsideNDSports.com. Click on the subscribe button. It'll come up with a price. You say, aha, that's not for me because I have a promo code. And the promo code you'll want to enter to get the free 30 days is nd radio n d r a d i o enter that promo code you'll get inside any sports you can check us out and then after the 30 days you can say meh or you could say you know what this is incredible i've been missing this my whole life yes and i need it in my life and i'm going to subscribe
2: so you have those options okay Inside NDSports.com, click on subscribe, and you don't have to capitalize, just N-D-Radio. That's right. All right, that'll do it. We'll remind you along the way, but get started on that right now as you listen to our program. Here's what we have coming up. The Notre Dame-Duke Advantage game is just moments away. We will go through some of the questions that Eric was asked in his insidendsports.com chat. Yesterday, I tried to avoid Ohio State, Notre Dame, 10 men on the field, Audrick Estime, 3rd and 19. I tried to avoid those words, and I've come up with a few. <laughs> there was a lot of questions that had those words or phrases in it, but we'll have some fun with that coming up. We've got our Twitter question of the day. Then in the 6 o'clock hour, as Eric zooms away from our WSBT radio studios. I have my weekly conversation with VEASAN sports betting host, Tim Murray. Diehard Notre Dame fan was at the Ohio State game. We do reminisce a little bit about that game. But then we talk about the spread for Duke and Notre Dame. It opened at two. It quickly went to four. It got as high as six. But right now, Notre Dame is a a five-and-a-half-point favorite against the Duke Blue Devils. And the over-under has danced around a little bit as well. And I'm going to call it up right now on my sponsor, and that is DraftKings Sportsbook. The over-under right now, Mr. Hansen, is 53 for this game. So you have those things to ponder.
3: Well, I had to pick my score prediction Uh today. And so this doesn't mean anything because I – picked an overtime win for Notre Dame last week, and they didn't win. Right. But my over and under is very close to that over-under line.
2: Okay. Yeah, I
3: didn't know that. I didn't look.
2: Can you tell us at the end of the advantage game your yeah. pick? Okay. Uh-huh.
0: Yes, absolutely. Uh-huh. All right. uh-huh.
2: So we've got Tim Murray coming up. and so, so that everybody can run to the casinos and pick the opposite. That's okay. We had you covered. I had the under last week and had Notre Dame plus three and a half. That old hook comes in handy sometimes, Mr. Hanson, and it sure did. There were a lot of people hoping Ohio State was going to kick the extra point because, can I say this really quick? Yeah. There is actually an argument Ryan Day didn't do the right thing.
3: I agree. I was sitting up in the press box and saying, I wouldn't kick this. I would just lay on it. Because
2: if you kick the extra point, it gets blocked. Notre Dame returns it to the end zone. It's two points. we got to tie a game. And that happened,
3: I mean, I don't know that it tied the score, but that happened in the Texas game and that ended up going into overtimes down in Texas in 2016.
2: Oh, that's right. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do now. I do, I do. So the next time Lou Holtz wants to yell at Ryan Day, he can tell the world that Ryan Day screwed up at the end of the Notre Dame and Ohio State game. So I was hoping they were going to kick it. They did, but a lot of people that had – the number at three are disappointed. Ohio State kicked it and made that extra point. So Tim Murray will talk all things Las Vegas and the Ohio State game at about 6.05. I have my my five today, the five players you need to know from the Duke football team. And that was a bit of a challenge, actually. The first two were easy. Eric gave me a really good observation about the third, and then I picked a couple of defensive guys, but they just have a bunch of players that work well together. There aren't yeah. many superstars on defense. You know what I mean, Eric? They right. just have guys and, that work well together. Right. And you could pick the punter because
3: he's number one in the country in net punting, but you don't want to pick the punter usually in those kind of things.
2: Because I pick football players. <laughs> well, I mean, you're not like rooting for the punter. Oh, boy, I can't wait till this punter comes rolling out. There actually are. not any punning wagers I don't think in the world <laughs> yet, yet. I'm sure that'll be right around the corner. And we will end the show with our sports wagering segment. We go into Sizzler as we will have, let's see, one college football pick tonight and three from Thursday night football. But in the meantime, last week was the most important advantage game in years. And now we move on to the week after the most important advantage game in recent memory. And this is a pretty big one for Notre Dame. Can I start with this? I'm stealing from you, but I felt the same way. You lost to Ohio State. There is a path to the playoff. It's not smooth. It's bumpy. It's going to take Notre Dame winning out and getting help along the way, but there's still hope. But more than anything else, like you said, Eric, you still have Sam Hartman. And this Notre Dame program can still benefit in so many ways from having this guy playing quarterback for this football team, right? Absolutely.
3: I mean, I mean, just think about it. As we get into the matchup game, I think um, Clemson as a team is about – well, I can tell you right now they are in passing efficiency. They're 54th. That's the best – passing team Duke has faced they will face number three in pass efficiency on Saturday night that's a huge step up to because everybody else is well below that that uh, Duke has played and and for Clemson to be the high water mark for you at 54 yeah there's there's things and and honestly Darren I mean if Notre Dame was able to stop Ohio State or never gave him the ball back, That 96-yard drive that Sam Hartman engineer would be Irish legend.
2: Yeah. No question. Absolutely. So let's ride those Sam Hartman coattails as long as we can. I was just noticing something on Twitter, and John Wilner, who seems to pop up a lot with Pac-12 things. Yeah, he's he's good. He's really good. He made – an observation that ESPN has the first pick on October 14th, and they are expected to go Oregon-Washington, which is a monumental game in the Pac-12 this year, and that game would be either at 12.30 or 4.30 Pacific time. You would think that game might go head-to-head against USC-Notre Dame if they pick 4.30 Pacific time, Right. Which is 7.30 along these parts. Because we would assume USC Notre Dame is going to be in prime time, 7.30, 8 o'clock. Well, it is. It, it's, already, it's already settled? Yeah, because it's an NBC game. I'm sorry. That's I'm all right. absolutely losing my mind this week. You were just absolutely testing right. me. You No, knew no, no, it. no. I had it in my head for some reason. Yeah. That had not been decided. But it's the... The Louisville game, we found out. That's right. Right. Okay. So Oregon, Washington, going head to head against USC. Net-O-Name. I hope that doesn't happen. Well, you I want to watch think that the
3: game. Pac-12 commissioner would have a say about that, except there isn't
2: one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait. Let's check with Oregon State and Washington State how they want to handle this. I don't know if it was Tyler Horka that came up with it, but he calls them Tupac. Oh, <laughs> the,
3: oh God. the last two teams that are in the back.
2: Which is cool. appropriate? Are they still alive or not? Oh, no. See, there you go. (laughs) Okay. All right, let's get to our advantage game after I screwed up that particular thought. So, I hope Oregon-Washington isn't at the same time as Notre Dame-USC. That's a fun game. Yeah. I mean, Bo Nix and Penix Jr. going toe-to-toe, that would be a terrific game. But if I'm ESPN, I probably put that in prime time. So, I can't blame them. All right, advantage game. Here we go. The Fighting Irish coming up, that heartbreaking loss to Ohio State, 17-14. The Duke Blue Devils on a four-game winning streak. Clemson, Lafayette, Northwestern, and Connecticut. And College Game Day rolls into town for the first time in program history. And the celebrity guest picker will be... Go ahead, you say it. Ken Jung, comedian, Dr. And eats wings, Guest judge on the eats wings and guest judge on the mask singer. And we learned all about Ken in the hangover movie. (laughs) Just take my word on it, Eric. You don't want to know. Okay, let's begin the advantage game. The Duke Blue Devils on offense, Riley Leonard, outstanding quarterback for Duke. Mel Kuyper Jr., draft expert for ESPN, has Leonard as his number three quarterback in a wonderful draft class for the National Football League. Eric, he ran the heck out of the football last year. He was their number one rusher. They wanted to change that a little bit this year. Uh And they have. He's their number two rusher as he trails only the true running back, Jordan Waters. So when... Waters or Leonard or this Duke football team attempts to run the football against a Notre Dame team that was really good stopping the run except for one play last week against Ohio State, what in the world is going to happen?
3: That's a good question. Thank you. So up until last week, Duke was in the top five in rushing offense. They dropped down to 27, and Connecticut decided if they were going to lose and they lost decisively, they were going to make Riley Leonard beat them through the air. So they really stacked the box against him. And they held them to 74 yards in rushing. Duke had run all over everybody else, including Clemson. Um, So what will Notre Dame do? They're going to try to contain Leonard. I think Leonard's going to be the – this is the game where he's going to be the biggest part of the game plan in running the ball – that Duke has done all season. Um, I think he's going to be in double-digit carries against Notre Dame. Hmm. And so, again, I'm trying to think of how old Al Golden's going to fit this. So, Duke, you know, Ohio State had four really difficult receivers that you had to deal with. I think Duke has two. And so, he, he could say, well, Morrison, Hart, That's you guys. Um, We're going to slide Xavier Watts into the box a little bit to help with the run. I'm still going to give Duke the check mark on this, but I think I could be really wrong on this if Notre Dame's game plan, and they have some experience with Brennan Armstrong, if they are able to contain Riley Leonard. Because I think they're going to be able to control the traditional run game. It's just what Riley Leonard does.
2: The media offered Al Golden, defensive coordinator, not a suggestion, but a thought. Can you play Harper and Kaiser on the field at the same time? And I think Base has said, you know what, that's something we're looking into. Want to make yeah. happen. Does it debut in this game against the Dukies? Is this a good spot?
3: I think it is because um, it will serve you in this game. I think it also serves you in the games that you have coming up. Plummer, Jack Plummer for Louisville isn't as mobile as uh Riley Leonard, but Caleb Williams sure is. And then you got Phil Dracovic after that. And as bad of a season as he's having throwing the ball, he can Heesh. still run it. And Cade Klubnik has some dual threat stuff. I mean, you're gonna have a bunch of these guys coming up now. The the quarterback at Ohio State, Kyle McCord, is one of the few kind of pure drop back passers that Notre Dame has got on the schedule
1: this year.
2: Okay, now let's move along to Duke throwing the football with quarterback Riley Leonard. It doesn't seem like he's had to do a whole lot passing the last couple of weeks considering the competition that he has faced. And you know what? I know the Notre Dame secondary. I've been around the Notre Dame secondary in Clemson. You do not have Notre Dame secondary. And that's the best Duke has faced so far this year. Right. This is, again, this is fascinating to me how
3: these teams match up. I actually think a lot of places this is a good matchup for Notre Dame. Duke is 96th in pass offense and 47th in pass efficiency. And both those numbers are kind of mirage like because when you watch Riley Leonard in a game, you have to kind of see him to appreciate that those numbers lie a little bit. But Notre Dame is still second in the country in pass efficiency defense after having faced Ohio State. Oof. And uh, that's that's way better than Duke has seen this season. And I think in the passing game, Notre Dame matches up very well. So I'm giving Notre Dame the check mark here.
2: a 100%. And another one of those weeks when you go after the quarterback, stay in your lanes.
3: Yeah, stay in your lane. Because Riley will take off, and he's really fast. He's fast, and he's strong. That, you know, he's he's, he's sneaky a fast. <laughs> yeah.
2: I really think so. I really, really do. I don't know how sneaky it is, but he's fast. When I look at him, I just don't think he's that fast, and yeah. it's like, wow, look at that. Yeah, you can see I see. I've seen him run away from people. Mm-hmm. No question. Advantage game for Notre Dame Duke. Eric Hansen, Darren Pritchett with you. Now, Jared Parker's offense is on the field, and Notre Dame is about to run the football, and one of the choices is the nation's leader, in breaking tackles. Anywhere's number seven. And if the game is close on Saturday in the fourth quarter, I fully expect a reversal. And number seven will be out there. But that's just my little opinion. We're talking about 60 minutes of running the football. Eric Clemson ran it right down Duke's throat. Even though they only scored seven points, they kind of messed up from there.
3: Yeah. 40 carries for 213 yards. Lafayette, though, went over 100 yards against them, had 126th. Northwestern, 104. Yukon, 89. Um, They are, so you put all that together, they're 68th in the country in rush defense, which is a little misleading because Clemson accounted for a big share of that, and yet. Notre Dame rushed for 176 against Ohio State, who was a very good run defense coming into that game. I've given Notre Dame the check mark here. I think the way the offensive line played against yes, Ohio State, absolutely. they have a lot of confidence. Um, and I think we're going to see them improve against Duke, a good Duke defense.
2: A lot of people I respect when it comes to offensive line analysis, they have absolutely been glowing talking about Rocco Spindler and the jump he made in that game against the best competition. Yep. Rocco. And,
3: and Zeke Corral mentioned how well he, he thought did. Rocco and Coogan played, but especially Rocco, he said it was Rocco's best game.
2: That's promising news to say the least. How about Joe Alt staying up until 5 in the morning mm-hmm. watching Ohio State film after the loss? He watched the game film three times. He still got to bed before I learned yeah. James and I. <laughs> but it wasn't because we were watching the film. No, you were not. No, you were typing away. Okay, so the advantage game now moves to win. Sam Hartman has the football in hand, ready to toss the football down the field. And right now, the wide receiving core looks a whole lot thinner than it did before the Navy game because... You take a look at right now, Eric, out of that top seven, Deion Colsey, his knee was scoped today. He's out a couple of weeks. Matt Salerno's been out for a few weeks already. He's out for an extended period of time. And Jaden Thomas in that questionable, doubtful category with the hamstring, and he's not practiced all week, Eric. So you talk about the importance of getting freshmen ready and getting significant playing time. Great house, and Flores... Are prime time ready for this opportunity if they need to play more with possibly three of the top seven down?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's great that they've been able to be such a part of the offense and Rico Flores having a really good game against Ohio State and a really good game the week before. That's encouraging. Tobias is coming around, the sophomore. I mean, out of the five healthy receivers – Three are freshmen, and one of those freshmen has played 11 snaps, and that's Braylon James. Do so you think he's varsity this week? He was, uh, Marcus Freeman was asked about that in the Zoom. They're going to have him ready, but I don't know that they'll have to use him with the tight ends that they have and the multiple tight end sets and also the running backs, using multiple running backs and then splitting them out wide. I think that they're going to have enough not to use Braylon James, but they'll have him ready. They also have a really good walk-on in Jordan Faison, who is um, a lacrosse player, came to Notre Dame to play lacrosse. So he's technically a football walk-on. The problem is the NCAA has this hierarchy. So if he plays for the football team, he has to be on football scholarship. So you're having to commit a football scholarship to him. They do have them available, it's just it, there is a decision that you have to make that's kind of like you know, what you do with baseball players when you're bringing them up for the minor league, sure. starting their clock. So there is a decision to make there, but I, I don't see him playing. Given the m- multiple tight ends that are available and given the, the catching skills of all the running backs, I think, it seemed like Marcus seemed, Freeman seemed pretty confident in the group that he has. And, again, you're talking about not ordinary freshmen. Jaden Greathouse and Rico Flores are two of Notre Dame's leading receivers already.
2: So who gets a checkmark?
3: In the passing game, you're, you've got the nation's number four pass efficiency defense against the nation's number three pass efficiency team. Mm. I think, you know – Duke beat him last year in Wallace Wade Stadium. I think I was reversing it last night and called it Wade Wallace. I, My apology to the late Wallace Wade, who was a great football coach at Duke in the 30s. Um, so I'm going with Notre Dame here. I think Sam Hartman gets it done in this offense, with this surrounding cast, with this offensive line. I think Wake Forest... I think Notre Dame with Sam Hartman, rather than Wake, does what Wake Forest couldn't do in Durham last November in front of countless dozens, 17,000 people in that stadium. They'll have a lot more Saturday night.
2: Eric, Marcus Freeman met the media today in his Zoom call, and we got some encouraging news on tight end Eli Reardon.
3: Eli Reardon and Nolan Ziegler. Um, So Eli Reardon suffered a second tear of his right ACL middle of October last year. So it's almost by the time he makes his 2023 debut, it'll almost be a year. So he's practicing full speed, and it looks like he will be ready not this weekend, but at Louisville on October 7th. And then Nolan Ziegler was a spring sensation. I mean, it looked like he was going to play a lot as a rotational player at middle linebacker. A guy with some pretty good coverage skills as a linebacker, was a high school safety, a high school wide receiver, up to 234 pounds. And then early in training camp, he took a leave of absence for personal reasons, and he is back, and he is practicing. Did some scout teamwork this week, some individual drills, probably behind uh, Eli in terms of when he would debut, but he's on track now finally to contribute and so forth so we may see him in october
2: just getting him back on the practice field very very encouraging right happy for him okay we move along in the advantage game which is being dominated by the irish right now eric what about special teams which is an interesting conversation (laughs) with Notre Dame having a field goal kicker we hear can make from seventy, but right now we just need some field goals through the uprights. But most of its attempts have been yeah,
3: it's not because they're short shots. No, um, this is a slam dunk for Duke. They're good. They're really good at special teams. They're the number one team in net punting. They're they've got the number eleven punt returner in the country, and Jalen Calhoun, who's averaging fourteen point six per punt return. Um, they're good about everything but kickoff returns. They're kind of average there, but they're very good. Their field goal kicker is more accurate than Notre Dame's at this point. Um, and I've been disappointed with Notre Dame's bottom line with special teams. I like Marty Biagi a lot. I like Marcus Freeman's commitment to special teams. It hasn't shown up across the board. You've, I It's mean, been dry. Yeah. They've kicked a lot of balls for touchbacks that's good McPherson's been good in the punting game the return games have been underwhelming the coverage units have been underwhelming so you know we they need and we haven't seen any block punts now nobody was going to be able to follow that but they need to get some of those I mean you have one of those in the Ohio State game It changes the whole complexion of the game And it would change the complexion of this game down in Durham, North Carolina. We're
2: kind of back to where we were before 2022. Just let it be a push in special teams. All right, so Duke gets the nod. What about intangibles in this game? You know, you would think with college game day there and a
3: much fuller stadium than they're used to having, that stadium seats 40,000 and them all hyped up and Notre Dame kind of licking their wounds, um, that Duke would have the intangible advantage. And and especially since Duke has already beaten Clemson by three touchdowns, they've already been in a big game. But I think Notre Dame is more big game tested. I think the pressure kind of shifts to Duke because of all the noise and so forth and because I think Notre Dame is handling their business this week from a mental standpoint. So I'm going to give Notre Dame the intangible here, even though it's not the obvious choice.
2: And for people who have not had the chance to go online yet and read your stories, how would you sum up Marcus answering questions about the mood of the team? That's something I think Irish fans are most concerned about going into this game.
3: Yeah, I asked him not just to give me the mood of the team, but how do you gauge it as a coach? And he said, practice is one. Um, you know, are they getting to the attention of the detail or they seem like they're distracted? And he said, we've had great practices on Tuesday and Wednesday. The other thing is messaging because certainly Notre Dame messages, but then you also have the whole rest of the outside world. You know, yeah. Marcus is saying, time to move on. And the rest of the world saying, move on for what? What's left to play for? And so they have these competing messages, and he feels like the messaging has been really effective. Marcus was very confident about the mindset of his team right
2: now. Read more about it at InsideIndieSports.com. He's Eric Hansen. He's the publisher and editor. He would know. I'm Darren Pritchett. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we will dig through a few of the questions that Eric answered from Notre Dame fans in his weekly chat at InsideIndiesports.com, 537 at WSBT.
1: Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960, WSBT. Highlight reel won by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Here's the fake. Meyer looking. Meyer finding the other tight end. Irv Smith touchdown. Five by Rocket touchdown, Irish. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett.
2: We continue on with Sports Beat this evening. Eric Hansen, Darren Pritchett with you. We're brought to you by Budweiser for 13 years, Folds of Honor. And Budweiser have provided life-changing scholarships to military families. Join United Beverage in raising a bud to raise funds for Folds of Honor. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, September is Hunger Action Month. How will you choose to help end hunger? Learn more at FeedIndiana.org. Bethel University's Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash ground for details. South Bend Orthopedics. Trusted in the community for 75 years. Legacy Heating and Air, ask how you can get free maintenance for life and save like a champion today. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations, serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. And by Notre Dame Hockey, the wait is over. Single game tickets for the 2023-24 hockey season is now on sale. Eric, take a guess how many days it is until the first Notre Dame hockey game. Do you have a guess? Um, you want me to give you a clue? Let me think. Let me think. Okay. Nine.
1: Nine
3: times. Nine times. Nine times.
2: You are exactly right. Congratulations. I had to count on my fingers. We got that on camera. No, that's fine. That's why we have cameras, to catch you <laughs> doing your magical work. There you go. <laughs> Eric hosts a chat at InsideIndieSports.com every Wednesday at noon. You can take part as a Sports Beat listener, and I grabbed a few questions from the chat. Again, tried to avoid some of the Ohio State stuff and maybe big-picture items of the Duke game. So here's what I came up with. We've got Rich from... Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. I've never heard of that town.
3: I think it's Eastern Pennsylvania.
2: Okay, I'll go with that. He said, Eric, you indicated that one of your yardsticks you would use in assessing Jared Parker's job performance would be whether his play calling slash strategy would influence the outcome of the marquee games on our schedule. After first such game... What is your assessment? That's a really good question. It is a good question, and I'm not going to just read what I wrote, so I'll
3: use the other part of my brain. No word salad? (laughs) No word salad. (laughs) I, I thought Jared Parker held his own in this game against Jim Knowles, who's a very respected defensive coordinator. Was it perfect? No, but the offensive line played its best game. I saw some creativity, maybe a little too much creativity with the last drive, a 96 yard drive. I thought certainly he wasn't a deficit in this game. I thought he at least held his own for this game. So I was encouraged by that and we've seen every game Jared Parker kind of adjust during the game. So I give him give him you know a gold star.
2: and I don't know, where this falls but i'm not going to just continue to beat the drum but if he is not making the final decision i hope a guy like estimates in there late in the game next time is that on the position coach is that the wishes of the offensive coordinator you know i honestly don't know but I, I, that needs to be addressed that eric that still bothers me even today well it may
3: have been the play call that took Audric out of it i I think it was the multiple running back what is thing that they were doing earlier in the game. Well, it worked I know, for them earlier in the game. I know. So,
2: so Audric can't be a part of that. His talents I,
3: are not. I'm not saying he can't be, but he probably didn't practice that. He probably wasn't part of that. Again, Dylan McCullough likes to give these guys different jobs, and they're good at different things. I mean, Audric has converted the the. Two fourth downs that Notre Dame has converted in running the ball, he's converted them. Uh, but Jabron Payne has been their third down back. So uh, I I agree with you about Odric being in there at the end of the game. I think the Worth reason that you have the running back rotation is so Odric is there when you need him at the end of the game.
2: Boom. But, but they do a great job of strategizing getting the best yeah, talents of those other running yeah. backs in the middle of the game. I love it. Yeah, but, but I'm not, not there.
3: I'm not putting everything on this question on that sequence.
2: Mm, I
3: know. So I can be picking. At least they had eleven men in the game at that
2: point. <laughs> Is this mic on? <laughs> wow. I wasn't gonna go there. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> okay let's move along another question from pennsylvania oh gosh john wanted to know oh gosh did i want to do this whole question let me see if i can narrow it again narrow down want to get a little insight on onye and ford in particular as it relates to the lack of a pass rush these are not true freshmen they have spent years in the program Uh, What gives should Mills and Batello be playing if they're not making plays in the games when they are needed most?
3: So I didn't say this in my answer, but Anya and Ford aren't swap outs for Batello. Batello Mm -hmm. doesn't play the same position. Correct. But let's talk about why Anya and Ford didn't play as much as John thought they should either this season or in this game. Anye, Jason anye has been playing well. He was the breakthrough star in the spring. He carried it over to fall camp. He's had some good games and limited snaps. Um, Al Golden thought maybe some of the rotations were too tight and he didn't get deep enough with some of his players. It seemed like Gabe Rubio took some of the snaps that Jason Anye typically gets, even though Anye can play both of those interior positions. Tyson Ford just isn't ready yet. Tyson Ford is going to be a really good player. I I would expect him to kind of break through next year. He's kind of in that no man's land where he's far down the depth chart at defensive tackle, far down the depth chart at field end. Well, what is he moving forward? Because he's changed his body twice. He gained weight to be an inside guy. Then he lost weight to be an edge player. So, uh, you know the position that uh, JJB plays, not uh, Jordan Batello's position. So, uh, but but there's just not opportunity for him right now. As far as Batello and Mills, I mean Mills right now is the. <laughs> I think his stats are deceiving because sometimes creating pressures without getting a sack for an interior guy or absorbing blocks. You're doing a great job. He is the number one ranked defensive tackle in the power five right now. And he has is the number one pass rusher at all positions, according to pro football focus. Again, he only has one sack. How can that be because of the pressures he creates and opportunities he creates for other teammates. Um, And again, it doesn't line up with conventional stats. These, advanced stats that pro football focus does but he's grading out very high in in terms of film grades so that that's why those guys are playing but but again i i'm a big fan of both ford and anya
2: yep no snaps for anya reduce the rotation rotation will be back this week I would I think it needs to
3: be if yeah. you're chasing Riley Leonard around.
2: Mm-hmm. All right, Tim from St. Louis. We feel your baseball pain, Tim. And he has a question about fighting Irish football. And it was in regard to pass interference versus holding. Pass interference used to be 10 yards from the line of scrimmage. Now seeing 15 yards on passes. pass plays where holding is called. Am I in touch with rules changes? Thanks for clarifying. And this was in regard to the Ohio State game where – the penalty call was changed on the fly. Correct. And and I don't know that the TV audience got
3: the change on the fly, so they were confused because th- I believe there was even um, a reversal of whether the ball was caught or not. And so it all kind of got squished together. And so, Tim, you are exactly where you should be defensive holding is 10 yards and an automatic first down. The automatic first down was added in 2022.
2: And that's before the pass is thrown. Is holding.
3: Correct. But but he's just asking the I know, yardage.
2: but I'm adding that in for people that are curious. Pass
3: interference is 15 yards unless the pass isn't is less than 15 yards, then it's a spot foul. So if it's a 7-yard pass and there's pass interference, then it's a 7-yard penalty if it's Fifty yards down the field, it's a fifteen-yard
2: penalty. NFL, you get all fifty yards. That's the but difference.
3: It was very confusing. That officiating crew was confusing in their communication. In fact, the time- charge—yeah, charging a timeout to Iowa State, <laughs> who was playing Oklahoma State—they must have been really disappointed.
2: Notre Dame probably got blamed for something in that Iowa State-Oklahoma State game. They're like, wait, I thought we had three timeouts. Where did that timeout go? It's in South Bend. And interference is called once the pass is thrown. So that's kind of the difference as well. Jason from Lexington, Kentucky. Did Notre Dame limit itself to seven possessions offensively with play, calling, game planning? Or was that more Ohio State playing a bend but don't break defense?
3: So, and he added a few. A lot of other things. uh, A lot of other things. And he compared it to last year's Ohio State game, and I got into some of that. So, yes, it was the way Ohio State was playing. They wanted Notre Dame to drive the ball consistently down the field and hopefully make a mistake, either an incomplete pass that would lead to a punt or, um, you know, a turnover. And so they they were like, you're not going to throw it over our heads – so you're going to have to chip your way down the field, nickel and dime your way down the field. So Notre Dame had some long drives, long drives in terms of plays, long drives in terms of time off the clock. Ohio State did as well. in the Ohio, But Notre Dame didn't have any three and outs. Last year, they had a whole bunch of three and outs, and they only had one drive longer than six plays at Ohio State. They had three 11 plays or more, including a 96-yard drive. So that, I mean, they weren't – and his concern is that teams in the playoff are scoring all these points. You know, you had a 42-41 game in the semifinals between Georgia and Ohio State. Georgia scored 65. Well, Georgia also had games like this. They beat Missouri 26-22. They beat Kentucky 16-6. So you're going to have games like this, and you have to be able to do both. So this isn't a commitment to playing deliberate, slow football. This is Notre Dame showing it can play that game, and then they're going to have games where they can have, show they have to be in attract me.
2: Okay, I'll go rapid fire on the last two. Frank okay. from Texas, do you think Notre Dame will run the ball more and use the short passing game against Duke? Yes, that's where Duke's – I mean, that's
3: – I don't know, just short passing game, but Duke's 68th in the country against the run. They're fourth against the pass. Yeah, I'm running against them.
2: Okay, and Tim from Kansas City, Taylor Swift's new hometown. What areas of improvement are most necessary to negotiate the gauntlet of the next three challenging games?
3: Well, first of all, with the defense... They're going to have to hit home with a pass rush more. They're also going to have to find out what's going on with Maris Leofau because he's disappeared the last two weeks, especially last week. And if they're going to give him so many snaps, there needs to be more production from that weak side linebacker spot. Otherwise, Kaiser and Snead need to play more there. Offensively, you know, i the offensive line needs to keep coming you know they made a big stride against ohio state they need to start stacking those games now they need to get in the conversation for the joe moore award and then special teams needs to be better all around i mean there's really not an area where you could say well geez they're pretty good there they don't need to improve i mean return game coverage game field goal accuracy
2: Okay, you can read the entire transcript at InsideIndieSports.com and participate next Wednesday at InsideIndieSports.com. Are you a Swifty?
3: Tyler James is. It's it's a sore spot because we have debates about whether the Ramones or Taylor Swift is better music. And I'm certainly in the minority there, but it was funny because we had – Jack Swarbrick on our podcast maybe a couple years ago, and I asked him that question,
2: and he said the Ramones. Are there any other choices? <laughs> no, it's just,
0: no. Those are the two choices.
3: <laughs> I mean, that's that's you know, I was I liked. Uh, I will rock say w- my day as a,
2: a country fan. When she first started, live and record did not sound alike, and I'm big on you should sound. On the record, like you do in person, and vice versa, she's come a long way in that area. She's, so I give her credit. She's but brilliant
3: business person, yes. um, has done a lot of great music. It seemed like earlier in his career or her career, she was mad at her boyfriends all the time. Mm-hmm. The songs were all oh, about yes. being angry at boyfriends, and now it seems like she's diversified more. But. It's just not my taste. I, I think she's very good, but it's just not my
2: taste. 400% increase in sales of Travis Kelsey jerseys since she went to the game. I think it's cool. Part of me says it's staged for both of them.
3: It's staged for Part both of, of them? Okay. Part of me. Well, says the that. Ramones aren't around anymore, so they but, can't go to Chiefs All games.
2: I'm saying is this. Football's my Saturday and Sunday. Can we leave the Swift world out of it? Can we just have our football to ourselves? Do we need all this other stuff? You know, you know what I mean. Just now we get her on the television screen every other second when something happens. Just like, eh, like Governor Christie was with Jerry Jones last week. Well, who's he dating now? <laughs> Maybe Jerry Jones. I don't know. No, 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 I, no, no. I think
3: uh, I think Chris Christie's spoken for.
2: I believe so, yes. But anytime anyone's in an owner's box or a suite now, well, who are they dating? 558 Twitter question of the day next on WSBT.
1: This is the Budweiser's weekday sports beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
2: He's Eric Hansen, the editor and publisher at insidendsports.com leader of the Ramones fan club. I'm Darren Pritchett, and here we go with our Twitter question of the day results from yesterday. Of these choices, what are you most concerned about in regards to the Notre Dame game at Duke? Last place, and I'm glad people didn't take the bait for the most part, 8% said coach is doing the little things correctly. A tie for second, Duke quarterback Riley Leonard, and Duke is really good. Both got 17%, but Eric leading the way biggest concern for Irish fans, the focus of the Notre Dame football team, that got 58%. And I can't blame people for voting that because there's a lot of pain to go around from that loss. And for the people that were out there on the field, it cannot be easy to get over. Right. And, and I also think that a lot of Notre Dame fans
3: until they turn on the TV Saturday night are saying, who's Riley Leonard? Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. remember when we even when we were talking about it, I'll give Tyler Horker credit in our early, we were ranking the opposing quarterbacks. He was higher on Riley Le- I was high on Riley Leonard, but not the way Tyler
2: Horker was. Sure. Yeah. He's a lot better than Brennan Armstrong. Yes. Maybe that would have been a shock a couple of years ago because Armstrong yeah. was awesome, but now yeah. it's leveled off. Okay, today's question. My expectations for Notre Dame at Duke Saturday is, you fill in the blank, Irish post a double-digit win, Irish win a close one, Duke wins. You can vote right now on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. And the publisher and editor at InsideNDsports.com, what are your expectations?
3: (laughs) I'm not sure which one might... Fits in, I guess I need to say Irish win a close one. I have them winning by nine points. Okay. So your final score
2: prediction is? 30 to 21 Notre Dame. 30 to 21 Irish. Yes. Okay. They would cover the spread, which is important to many people. And they would be under on the over under. They would by two points.
3: Right. And so it's not double digits, but it's not necessarily close, but close enough.
2: What do you always say? You're a minx. What is that? You lively little minx. You're a lively little minx with those picks. <laughs> <things. laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we end things this hour by saying, what is happening at insideindiesports.com.
3: <laughs> I have a notebook that's up on the site right now about Eli Reardon and Nolan Ziegler. Um, their timetables for coming back to the team. Lots of other good notes and tidbits in there. Uh, we have a film study from Clint Cosgrove, one of our national analysts who's based in Chicago. He did a film study on Cam Williams, who's the next really good wide receiver that's coming to Notre Dame. May end up being a five-star receiver. Uh, Tyler James did an opponent outlook. Uh, giving you all the lowdown on Duke. He has a feature on Mitchell Evans. Charleston did a uh, visit recap from Braylon Mullins, a 2025 basketball player. And of course, we have our special one month free of Inside ND Sports. Go to InsideNDSports.com, click subscribe, and enter the promo code ND Radio. ND Radio. Got it. How's that sound? That's the one Ramon song you hear in the stadiums. Hey-ho, let's go. That's right. That's right.
2: That's That's actually
3: called Blitzkrieg Bop. That's the name of the song.
2: That's what it says on my screen right now. Some of the other songs, I'm like, "Ah." I don't want to play something on the air that could have something in it that I'm going to regret, but I knew this song was safe. They do not have naughty lyrics,
3: believe it or not. (laughs) They do have very weird lyrics. Does
2: Taylor Swift have naughty (laughs) words? I don't think so, right? No, but there are people that do. Yes. Yes, they do. Yes. Shame on them. Shame on them. (laughs) They should be more like the Ramones. (laughs) That's right. Have a good rest of your day. We'll talk to you. Game day sports beat Saturday starting at 4 o'clock. Sounds great. All right. He's Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor of InsideIndieSports.com. That's the Ramones. I'm Darren Pritchett. Tim Murray from Beeson. coming up in about 10 minutes. Sports update on the way here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: You can listen to Budweiser's weekday Sports Beat live or on demand with our free WSBT Radio app. Just search WSBT Radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host Darren Pritchett. Let's keep
2: the college football conversation going. We welcome back to the program Tim Murray from Veasan, diehard Notre Dame football fan. He was in town for the Ohio State game and he witnessed a wild and wacky and dramatic football game that just did not turn out the right way. And of course you can check out Tim weeknights starting at six Eastern time on Beeson. You can get Beeson on the YouTube TV product or also at VEASAN.com. Well, Tim, I'm not going to bury the lead. I'm just going to kind of ask you, you've told us you were at the Bush push game and you were at this game. I'm just wondering, is the pain similar Is one worse than the other?
4: Great question, um, and someone asked it to me. I don't know if it was right after the game or Sunday morning, and I was just still kind of digesting and trying to figure out what what I just saw, and I said, I don't know. It's, it's too hard to tell, you know, same end zone, 18 years apart. Um, but the more the week has gone on, Darren, and it's, it's not a prisoner of the moment situation. It, it was Saturday because, you know, I think back to the Bush-Push game, and obviously – Certainly different circumstances. Notre Dame had a loss going into that game, and USC was this elite, you know, untouchable program, and, you know, Notre Dame was right there in the fourth and nine pass. I can still vividly see it in my brain, you know, as I was there in the student section uh, 18 years ago. But Saturday was just really, really painful, and I probably spent Lord knows how many hours talking about it here, on this, on this network and on your shows and wherever it may be at the grocery store. Uh, but it was Saturday because just so many opportunities. I mean, you, you know, from putting it out in, in a gambling sense, I mean, it was like a 6 leg parlay had to hit for Ohio State to win that game with four minutes to go. I mean, You know, you get the back-to-back first downs, and then you go away from estimate, you know, the screen pass, I actually, you know, I might be in the minority here. I actually didn't hate the play call. Uh, I thought they were aggressive. They were going for the win. And, you know, 44, to, to Luomao, or however you say his last name, uh, made an incredible play. You know, he made a great play off of that. And then a fourth and seven converts. You know, the drop pick, the third and 19, the 10 men on the field. I mean, just so many things. One of those things goes right, right? If Sam Hartman doesn't turn the wrong way on first and 10, what what is the gain on that first and 10? Is it, a, is it a big loss? You know, obviously, if 44 doesn't make the play that he made, Jadarian Price is going down the sideline for maybe even a touchdown. Uh, DJ Brown, you know, props to him. I give that young man a ton of credit uh, for taking the questions that he did. He didn't have to do that this week, so I really give him a ton of credit for standing up, you know fourth and seven, third and 19. I mean, every, one of those things goes the other way and that field is getting stormed and we're talking so much differently this week. Uh, so yeah, it's it just, you know, you think back to the Notre Dame USC game, I mean they had a punt return in that game for Tom Wachowski, which, you know, might be one of the most electric moments uh, of a sporting event that I've ever been a part of when he, mm-hmm. you know, broke a couple tackles and got into the end zone Darren. But yeah, it, it's hard, man. It's, you know, I think people—you could actually tell in my voice a little bit. I mean, my voice yeah. was shot after Saturday night and uh, hasn't come back. And you know, my wife joked with me the other day. I was sitting at the counter doing some work, and I just let out a big sigh. And she's like, "What's wrong?" And I'm like, "Still thinking about the game." She's like, "Oh my god! All right, you know, move on." Uh, so, you know, so it's 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 tough for sure.
2: You know, I've talked about this, of course, on several podcasts and several of my shows, but. Tim, from my standpoint, the 3rd and 19 rushing three, there's an argument for doing that. I'm not as upset about that. I probably blitz and my corners were so good in man. I'm going to roll with that. But I understand why Al did that. So I'm not as upset about that. The 10 men on the field, back-to-back plays, inexcusable, can't happen. But I'll say this. With that being said, I'm as frustrated, if not more, with the offense leaving points on the field throughout the ball game Mm -hmm. and also there's just from my standpoint there's no argument to take audric Estime off the field on the final drive during the game i get how they mix the running backs it has worked really well final drive i want number seven on the field so i'm as frustrated with the offense with some missed opportunities more so than some of the things that kind of pull your hair out at the end of the game
4: yeah and look the 10 men on the field are going to get the headlines because you look dumb. You know, you look yeah. like you're not buttoned up. You look like you're you're un, you're not well-coached, which, look, you can – and Marcus owned it. Uh, Marcus Freeman owned it, and you're going to have to own it. And the jokes were flying around, rightfully so. That said, they weren't poorly coached the majority of that game. No. I thought the game plan was really, really darn good. And, you know, Jared Parker – you know, sometimes, you know, and, and it, you go back to last year, right, and Notre Dame's game plan against Ohio State was so let's not get blown out here, right, and hang on for dear life. And I feel like with the fourth down calls, they just got a little too, whether it is, you know, both fourth and ones, you don't give the ball to Estime or, or even Jabron, uh, you know, uh, it's just, I mean, he's, he's a guy that's been successful in short yardage. We saw it on the goal line, right? Uh, with his with his touchdown run on a direct snap um, but man you go back and and it was so well blocked the first down and 10 to get the 12 yards and it, it was just it looked like the perfect thing was setting up you get that pass uh, it was uh, was it Rico Flores I think who caught it on the on the sideline he dives back in bounds so smartly there keep the clock rolling and then you get Audrick Esme. and this is you know, this is why he's on this roster, man. He is, He's your bell cow, and he goes right up the gut. The line p- blocks it perfectly. He does the, you know, feed me sign. And at that point, it's like, we're not losing this game. It's, there's no way. And then, you know, really to me, the first and ten play call, whether it was Sam's mistake of going the wrong way on the read it was just getting too cute doing the lead option, instead of going under center and giving it back to FMA. The first and ten really is the one that continues to bug me. It wasn't the screen pass.
2: Mm-mm. Yeah. Hey, one more thing on this game, then we'll move on to Duke. Uh, obviously, you sit next to a guy that's got a Super Bowl ring, had a great career at Tulane. When you guys have talked about this game, and I'm sure not specifically this was brought up, but you can add his words into this answer to this question, but did the best team win on Saturday?
4: No they didn't. Notre Dame was better. Uh, and he said it. And, uh, you know, he, you know, he, he's talked about the DJ Brown plays, like that was the perfect defense. And he was right there to make the play. And, uh, you know, so that was something that certainly stuck out to him. I thought it was interesting because I really wanted to know his perspective because in addition to Sean King, my partner on season yep. primetime, you know, playing in the Super Bowl as the backup quarterback for the Bucks and He's coached at that pretty high level, right? He was at USF when they were when they were pretty darn good under, under Willie Taggart. And then when Taggart left to go to Oregon, he stayed and, and coached under Charlie Strong. And I asked him, I said, what does Marcus Freeman do this week? And I've asked a couple other people, and it, a lot of the similar same uh, questions. They put, he said, put in that duke tape, you know. Once you put in that duke tape, they're not going to, you know, be, you know, under, you know, underwhelmed by this performance. Duke's good. And I think it, it does help that Duke is good. Um, and he said what he would do was he would have a video of, Clem- of them storming the field against Clemson and be like, look what, look, look what happened, you know, earlier this year. Let's turn our attention that way. And, you know, we had Mike Gola Jr. on uh, yesterday too. And I asked him the same question and his answer was the same, you know, put on the Duke tape. It's time to turn the page. So, you know, as fans, we certainly get, bogged down understandably. So, you know, these, these athletes and these coaches, they have to live with this sh- short term memory. And, you know, you think about pitchers all the time. Like I could never do that. How could you give up a home run and then turn around and strike out the next batter? It's like just the way they're built. It's the way their minds have to work here. And I think what we'll, we'll talk about the Duke game here. I'm cautiously optimistic about this spot because if they had one, I think this is North of a touchdown all week, everyone's kind of give them their, their love. You know, Sam Hartman's probably on, you know, every show you could imagine. And I do wonder if that, that it, it would be more of a letdown if they won on Saturday as opposed to right now. Not saying I wouldn't trade it. Like I would rather have that problem. But yeah. I think, you know, Darren, to me... I, I'd be curious and, and I'm hope I'm hoping I'm right here uh on this one you know hope like last week when I when I gave you my prediction of the game I was like I'm hoping I'm wrong well I'm hoping yeah. I'm right uh on, on this one
2: okay Tim Murray host of Eason's primetime show joining me here on WSBT radio Tim this week Notre Dame at Duke Notre Dame open is around a two-point favorite it's now been bet up to five and a half with an over under of 53 offer your perspective on five and a half right now. Notre Dame, the favorite on the road against a Duke team that beat Clemson 28-7 in that building.
4: Yeah, uh, just uh, I talked to one odds maker in town. So So, to your point, the Circus Sportsbook uh, tends to set the market on Sunday mornings. What does that mean? It means they're the first ones that put out the lines. Uh, And you're right. It opened two, got bet up to five and a half, touched six, and now we're kind of, staying status quo at, at five and a half. I did ask uh, one uh, odds maker and uh, you know person behind the counter, John Murray over at the Westgate Superbook here in town. And he said, sh- uh, super sharp play on under 54. So,
1: hmm.
4: um, and that's kind of the way I feel like this game is going to play out. Um, you know, my feel on this game is I'm not going to lay the points, but I do think Notre Dame takes care of business. I don't think it's going to be pretty. I actually agree with the under. Um, You know, the two things that stood out to me big time were, man, that offensive line balled out. And I do think offensive lines, at least history, would tell us, Darren, these aren't the type of players that I think are going to, you know, come down after a high. Not to say that there might not be a mistake, but I think they're going to build off of Saturday night. And I think that is a massive thing moving forward you know, going back to as I mentioned, uh, Mike Golick Jr. on the show last night uh, on VSEN, and and he said Rocco Spindler was tremendous. He, he said he was phenomenal, played his best game as a Notre Dame player, and I'm hoping Notre Dame builds off of that uh, moving into this Duke game. You know, think back to the Clemson game there, and Clemson ran for over 200 yep. yards in that game. I mean, they kind of methodically moved the ball down the field, and they just kind of shot themselves in the foot, right? They had a uh, it wasn't a scoop and score, but I think a fumble that went like 70 yards the other way. Uh, they gave up a bust to Riley Leonard, who you know broke for a touchdown, I want to say, early in the second half. And they missed a couple field goals. Now, Notre Dame's got some kicking issues, it seems, on uh, on easy kicks uh, right now. But, you know, these two teams are so veteran-laden. And I think the biggest thing, you know, as, as we've learned from Mike Elko's time at Notre Dame and Mike Elko's time now at Duke, Darren, is... They don't make mistakes. You know, it's really impressive. They're, they were plus 16 in turnover margin last year, Duke was, and they're plus five this year. I mean, that's one of the best stretches over a year and a half in college football to be plus 21. So they don't make many mistakes. Notre Dame, so far this year, knock on wood, really hasn't made many mistakes. Now, they haven't got a ton of turnovers go their way. I think the stat is I forced like nine fumbles and, and recovered none of them, which is insane. Um, but I do think Notre Dame kind of leans on – the strengths of their team and you know with Riley Leonard being as athletic as he is there and I think the huge benefit for Notre Dame is they've got corners they can trust right they just went toe-to-toe with arguably the most talented wide receiver core in the entire country and this is no knock on Duke but Duke's wide receivers aren't as good as Ohio State's so if you can trust Benjamin Morrison and Cam Hart to be on an island and then you just make Riley Leonard kind of Do back there, you know, does Maris Leafau spy him? Does J.D. Bertrand spy him? I think, you know, they, he's better than Brendan Armstrong for sure. But I think there's some similarities in that Brendan Armstrong wanted to extend plays, and Notre Dame I thought did a pretty darn good job uh, with containing Brendan Armstrong, you know, back of that NC State game.
2: And Tim, I wonder if there could be a college game day effect. For Duke, we all know there's a lot of pomp yep. and circumstance when College Game Day comes to town, and this is the first time Duke will have experienced the football version of College Game Day. That could just add to a lot of hype that maybe some players aren't prepared for.
4: Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, did Notre Dame, you know, has been in this spotlight before. Um, you know, Duke did open up the season on primetime on that on that Labor Day Monday, but now you're 4-0, You're, you're in the top 20. You've got college game day on your campus for the first time in school history. And you've got a team in Notre Dame coming to town that you certainly think you can beat. And and they should think that way. But I do wonder if the pressure kind of gets to them a little bit here. You know, this was a a football team, what, two years ago, Darren, that I think had like two wins. Mm -hmm. Now they exceeded expectations massively last year, winning nine games. But they didn't play Clemson. They didn't play Florida State. They didn't play Notre Dame last year. They beat one team that went to a bowl game last year. And look at their record so far. It's not a knock on Duke. And once again, they're a very good team. Mm-hmm. And I think the point spread is accurate. But they beat Clemson. There was some wackiness in that game with the turnovers and the you know, inability to score. I think they had three possessions, Clemson did, with no points inside the 10-yard line. Then you beat FCS Lafayette. You beat Northwestern, who, you know, shouts to the Purple Cats for beating Minnesota last week, coming from 21 down. <laughs> but we know what Northwestern is this year. And then you went to a UConn squad, which actually I was on the wrong side of. I thought it would be a look-ahead spot. But UConn's just bad. They're just just—they're not very good. So Duke's good. Duke's going to make a bowl game. Duke might challenge for the ACC. But, you know, let, let's be real. Notre Dame is, is absolutely 1 million percent been more tested than this Duke team yeah. And now you've got the pressure and the eyeballs of the whole world on you if you're Duke when Notre Dame just did it last week.
2: Mm. Hey, Tim, one more for you, really quick. Just for the sports betting newbies listening to our conversation, you know, I've read some people say that parlays are money makers for the books, they make a lot of money off those. For people just getting into this, are parlays worth doing? Are you a believer in those?
4: Well, I mean, it depends on what what you're trying to do, right? If you're just trying to have some fun with some buddies and drink a couple pops and you know throw in a four leg parlay, I mean, look, I'm I'm not going to be here to say don't do them. But if you're trying to legitimately make some money, um, whether you're betting ten bucks on a game, twenty bucks, a hundred bucks, $1, a thousand dollars, whatever it may be, no parlays for me are not the way that I, I would go. I, I don't do parlays. Almost ever. You know, every once in a while, I might throw in like a money line parlay. Let's say, you know, for instance, Oregon State is playing Utah on Friday night, and that number has now gotten out to like four, four and a half. Notre Dame's playing Duke five and a half. And you're like, man, I think both of them are going to win, but I don't really necessarily want to mess around with the money line or with the point spread. You could go money line parlay, and that would probably be around like plus 130, plus 125 or so, but. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it it all depends on what you want to do. Like, if you're out with your buddies and trying to, you know, score big and, and hit a six to one or a you know plus two sixty bet, I'm not I'm not going to push back. But if you're trying to have sustained success over a long period of time, studies have constantly shown that betting individual games is the best avenue to go. And You know, if you if you ask any odds maker out there, a bookmaker, they love the parlays. And honestly, that's why you see these companies promoting them as much as they do, Darren. Well, look at this bet. It was a five dollar bet. It brought back 80 grand. They want you to keep putting those in because they know over the long term they're going to end up the winner on those.
2: Yeah, I never actually do many parlays, but out of anger to my football team, I. As the Bronco fan, I took the Dolphins and the Patriots just in a money line parlay, and it was plus 124, and it worked out. I think Miami did okay in that game putting up 70, so every once in a while it works out. But Broncos, Bears, I won't ask you for your opinion, but, I mean, how can everybody not put two bucks, at least on that game, right? (laughs) I saw it
4: in front of me. I think it's teams. Uh, The underdog in winless games is like 67% against the spread or something like that. So, yeah, uh, that's going to be quite the game there on Sunday in uh, in Chicago, Bears – Catching points at home uh, against uh, the Broncos.
2: Yeah. First time in football history you lose by 50, and you're the favorite on the road the next week. (laughs) Yeah.
4: Oh, wow. It tells you you a little something about the Chicago Bears, doesn't
2: it? Isn't that the truth? All right. Hey, Tim, thanks for checking in. Other than the game, hopefully you had a great time here in South Bend, and we look forward to having you back in in town for another Notre Dame game, hopefully real soon.
4: Yeah, no, it was it was awesome, you know, for 59 minutes and 59 Damn. seconds essentially. It was great. The weather was great. The tailgate scene was amazing. Good. I walked by uh, uh, the tent that you guys had set up there in the commons area. So, yep. uh, no. It was an awesome time and I uh, can't wait to get back to campus
2: in the near future. Very good. Tim, thanks for doing this. We'll talk to you next week. All right, sounds good there. That's Tim Murray from VEASAN. More Sports Beat next on Sports Radio
1: 960 WSBT. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
2: Let's roll through these quickly the five players you need to know from the Duke football team. Ladies and
0: gentlemen, this is number five.
2: Number five, it's cornerback Chandler Rivers. He is the team's leading tackler. That's right, a corner leads them in tackles, 19 solo, six assists for 25. He does not have an interception, one pass breakup. Tall receivers against a 5'10 corner might be interesting. Another corner, Miles Jones. He's a transfer from Texas A&M. That's where Mike Elko, their head coach, came from. 30 career starts with the Aggies. Only six tackles this year, but already Miles Jones has two interceptions.
1: Okay, okay. Uh, Number three.
2: Left tackle Graham Barton last year, all ACC first team. And he is the best tackle that the Irish are going to face this year. He is a big-time NFL pro prospect offensive lineman. Sometimes don't get the notoriety. Graham Barton is really, really good. Number two. Running back Jordan Waters, foot 19. Last year, 566 yards, eight touchdowns. This year, 39 for 258, already seven touchdowns. Also, five catches for 76. And finally, number one. Riley Leonard, 67% throw of the football. Four rushing touchdowns. He is
0: furniture galleries dine with us today